Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Near the end of March in 1845, Henry David Thoreau borrowed an axe and went down to the woods by Walden Pond to cut down some white pines and build a house. He writes of that time, they were pleasant spring days in which the winter of man's discontent was thawing as well as the earth and the life that had lain torpid began to stretch itself. One day I saw a striped snake run into the water and he lay on the bottom more than a quarter of an hour perhaps because he had not yet fairly come out of the torpid state. It appeared to me that for a like reason, men remain in their present low and primitive condition, but if they should feel the influence of the spring of springs arousing in them, they would of necessity rise to a higher and more ethereal life. That July 4th, surely relishing the symbolism of the date, Henry Thoreau, just short of his 28th birthday, moved to Walden. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, he says, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live that which was not life Living is so dear, nor did I wish to practice resignation unless it was quite necessary. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life, to live so sturdily and Spartan-like as to put to rout all that was not life, to cut a broad swath and shave cloth, to drive into a corner and reduce it to its lowest terms. And if it proved to be mean, why then to get the whole and genuine meanness of it and publish the meanness to the world, or if it were sublime, to know it by experience and be able to give a true account of it in my next excursion. And here are the North Star words by which ever since generations of people have set their compass, aspirational words that by times inspire and by times taunt us with their stinging directive. Simplicity, 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 writes Thoreau. I say, let your affairs be as two or three and not a hundred or a thousand. Instead of a million, count half a dozen and keep your accounts on your thumbnail. Simplify, simplify. Why should we live with such hurry and waste of life? We are determined to be starved before we are hungry. What does your heart desire? Is more better? Would acquiring more really give you more of what you really want? 
or does more have diminishing returns as it demands more time, more environmental resources, more of our energy, more of our money? Is it possible that less, especially less stuff and less busyness, will make room for more of what we want? Is it possible that less is more? Beginning in the mid-1980s, I sat at the bedsides of beautiful young men who had been ravaged by AIDS. For the most part, we were all in our 20s, with absolutely no way to make sense of the carnage. Many of us who lived through the plague vowed to honor our dead by paying attention, being grateful, and loving deeply. On the other side of the world, in Australia, palliative care nurse Bronnie Ware was caring for people in hospice. She recorded some of the insights and epiphanies she heard from the dying and eventually penned a book called The Five Top Regrets of the Dying. Those five regrets are, one, I wish I'd have the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Four, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Five, I wish I'd let myself be happier. In his book, The Theory of the Leisure Class, published in 1899, social scientist Thorstein Veblen coined the phrase conspicuous consumption to describe the lavish spending on goods and services acquired mainly for the purpose of displaying income or wealth. Today, credit cards enable this behavior virtually regardless of income or wealth. But apparently, excessive consumption is not delivering on its promise to provide happiness and fulfillment. Notably absent from that five things list is, I wish I had more stuff. Or for that matter, I wish I had more on my to-do list. Writer Joshua Becker was cleaning his garage one day, basically rearranging this vast pile of stuff while his young son played alone in the backyard. And somehow, suddenly, it hit Joshua Becker that he had become a slave to his stuff. What he wanted to be doing was playing with his boy. He now blogs for becoming minimalist. He suggests that we take a good, hard look at our material possessions, and consider deeply whether we have them or they have us, at our time commitments, and release those that are not in line with our values and goals, at our goals, working at no more than two at a time. 
He encourages us to get out from under negative thoughts and emotions, to get help freeing ourselves from debt, to carefully weigh our words and use fewer of them, to free ourselves of artificial ingredients, additives, and substances that do not contribute to our physical well-being, to moderate our screen time, and in general, the time we spend plugged in, and to stop multitasking, understanding that counterintuitively, we can both reduce stress and raise productivity by doing one thing at a time and doing it well. Simplify, simplify. Ursula Ringham, blogging for SiliconValleyTalesJust.com, writes, we are all overcommitted. We are always on the go. And at some point, you start to wonder if these commitments are based on priorities or just trying to keep up. I love to be part of a community and to help people. She says, I love new tasks. I just dig in, learn what needs to be done, and do it. I say yes to most anything, as I love connecting people and feeling a part of something bigger. But, Ursula Ringham concludes, when that yes comes at the expense of our heart's desire, no is the new yes. We might imagine that if we were really happy, the longing for more, more, more might subside. But as it turns out, just the opposite is true. When we stop over-consuming excessively, realign our lives with our deepest passions, and get a taste of enough, we make room for contentment and real happiness to take root in our lives. One day when I was 20, traveling alone in the Japanese Alps, I meandered behind a Zen Buddhist temple through a pathless wood toward a stream I could hear tumbling in the ravine below. The sunlight was thin, the air was cool, and there was no sign that anyone had walked there before me. And suddenly at my feet there appeared a circular stone about two feet in diameter with a square cut out of the center like an ancient Chinese coin. Four ideograms carved in bas-relief stood sentinel around the opening, one to a side. Years later, it occurred to me that someone, undoubtedly one of the monks, had come before me that day, and probably every day, sweeping the surface clear of the forest debris, save some small patches of brown lichen and a thin veneer of nature's dust. But at the time, I felt like I had discovered the secret of life. Painstakingly, I copied the characters into my notebook. Back in Tokyo, one evening after the dinner dishes had been cleared, I showed my stepmother my treasure. These characters are very, very old, she said. We don't even use them anymore. She hauled out what I imagined to be the equivalent of our Webster's Unabridged Dictionary and sat for a long time, poring over it, drawing new characters next to mine, speaking Japanese symbols under her breath in a kind of incantation. I waited. And at last, she said, I have it. She paused. I, I don't know. Do you say this in English? My stone said, 
It is just enough. I was electrified. No, we don't say that in English. But we must learn to say it. It is just enough. In his conclusion to Walden, Henry David Thoreau writes, if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he had imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. In proportion as he simplifies his life, the laws of the universe will appear less complex and solitude will not be solitude, nor poverty, poverty, nor weakness, weakness. If you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundations underneath them. Beloved spiritual companions, let us listen for the words echoing from Walden across the generations. May we not, when we come to die, discover that we have not lived. Let us ask ourselves what we really want for ourselves and for the earth. Is more better? Is it possible that less is more? Let us remember that on their deathbeds, no one is saying, I wish I had more stuff. I wish I had more on my to-do list. No. Maybe the new yes. When we realign our lives with our deepest passions and get a taste of enough, we make way for real happiness in our lives. Let us simplify. Simplify. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.